even though it's cliche to start these sort of things off saying, uh, I grew up poor. How poor were you, Paul? Uh, I'm going to start off by saying that I grew up poor. Uh, and growing up that way definitely colored my later understanding of and attitude toward money. Um, I remember, you know, being a kid and, and growing up on farmsteads in Wisconsin with, you know, co-op situations, you know, multiple families living in the same house. At one point, we lived in a little place called Cabin One, which was a, a tiny cabin in the Wisconsin woods uh, with no running water or anything like that. And we never wanted for anything because that part of our life, that was the norm. And as we got a little older and, you know, our dad was part of the working world uh, or, or he was working as a priest, one or the other. And there's not a great deal of money in, in grunt work and there's not a great deal of money in being a small parish priest. So, you know, we grew up sort of, you know, in the kind of environment where I remember, you know, getting a new book or, or going out like that and, uh, and being bought something like as simple as a paperback book was a big deal for me growing up. And so I think that through no fault of my folks, you know, my, my father always made sure we never went hungry and we were never on, you know, government assistance or anything like that. And it was him as the breadwinner and a wife and four kids. Um, I have a huge amount of respect for the way that my dad went about everything, you know, but growing up that way, it definitely puts you into a scarcity mindset as you get older because you you just come up around that that tightness where there's there's never quite enough or there's just enough but that's it not a lot of excess and not a lot of room for for extra stuff and i i kept that with me through my teen years you know i had a definite attitude toward wealthy people uh a limiting attitude i would say you know eat the rich kind of thing. And when I got into my 20s, it, it continued. I was really into DIY culture and, you know, punk rock shit. And I, I had sort of a, I don't know, anarcho primitivist or whatever you want to call it slant through my 20s and spent a lot of my time living off a motorcycle or out in the woods or, you know, community living situations with a bunch of people in one house and that kind of stuff. And there was definitely a moment for me where all that changed, you know, because I had this idea that a lot of people seem to have that money is a dirty thing that, you know, if you have a lot of money, it, it degrades the quality of who you are. And I had this concept that there was some nobility in poverty, which is generally an attitude that people have because they, they need to justify their poverty and they need it to make sense they need it to have some kind of meaning you know it's not just that they're no good at making money or or they didn't want to spend the time or educate themselves on how to do it it's that they're noble you know they're part of the working class and all this kind of stuff and yeah i remember watching goodfellas for the first time and watching how these guys talked about how they thought that working stiffs were idiots you know suckers and uh you know stuff like that kind of made me start thinking is there a nobility in poverty or am I just saying that there is because I'm poor? Uh, and the idea too, that I, I kind of sold myself, I think a little bit to myself as, you know, I was a renunciate or something like that, but you can't renounce something you've never had. 
it's kind of like a virgin giving up sex. You know, there's no great sacrifice in, in sacrificing something that you've never had. Um, there is a great sacrifice, I think, in attaining or in attaining something and then giving it up. But, you know, what changed was that at a certain point, um, and I guess it was right at the beginning of my relationship with my wife, Marla, I made a conscious decision after being in another shared living situation where we were sharing a kitchen and turning over, a, seeing my wife turn over a spoon that she was eating her granola with and seeing black marks on the bottom, like the spoon had been scorched. And I was like, you know what? Fuck this. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to take a different approach to life because I want to be able to provide a better life for my woman, for myself, for my friends. And I just decided, you know, I'm going to dig into this and see if this is something that I can approach like martial arts, like weightlifting or whatever, something I can come into not knowing anything about and apply myself to it in order to change my situation. And so I did, you know, I, I wanted things. I, I wanted to travel. I wanted to build my own house. I wanted to invest in my peer group and my friends, and I wanted to be able to be generous and all the rest of this stuff. And, you know, th there's this great term for the the germanic jarl or or king which is the poetry calls them a despiser of arm rings you know someone who had so much that they could despise their wealth and and throw it wherever they wanted i wanted to be that i wanted to experience what it felt like to be that to be able to be generous and to show largesse and so i just decided i'm gonna i'm gonna go about this and what follows are, are just a couple of ideas that help me out, especially towards the beginning, but that I continue to come back to. You know, it's it's the white belt stuff that a lot of black belts tell you is is the stuff that still works for them and what they keep coming back to. It's just the white belt stuff done really well. The first thing is that you have to spend less than you earn. This seems very obvious. And in the uh, this week's email, I referenced a quote from Pumping Iron by Arnold where the guy's trying to hit a side chest pose. And he says, if you don't have it, don't hit it. Uh, and if you don't have it, don't hit it. In other words, if you don't have the money, don't spend the money. Staying out of debt for as long as possible was one of the better things that I did for myself. I still do not have a credit card, much to many of my friends' absolute disbelief. I've refused to get a credit card because I didn't want to be in debt and I knew I could build up my credit in another way, like buying a motorcycle or something more enjoyable. Uh, for my first year and probably my second and maybe a little bit after that of making money, um, I, I went from making nothing to making really good money really quickly. Uh, I was able to to leverage a lot of different stuff that I can go into in, a, in another podcast or article to rapidly start getting good at, at making money. And I kind of had this poor person's mentality toward it at the time where I wanted to have a bunch of stuff that I had never had. And so I spent a lot of money in those first couple of years. I went where I wanted. I traveled a lot. I bought what I wanted. Um, I bought things I wanted to buy for my old lady, my friends. I picked up every bar tab. Um, I still pick up a lot of bar tabs, but you know, I, I just kind of went a little crazy. And so, you know, that's something to watch out for if you if you go from a place where you don't have anything to where you have a surprising amount of disposable income is you will find a way to dispose of it. So you have to be careful to keep your eye on on what you're taking in and what's going out the door. And you know, you have to make sure that you you have a, a firm understanding of exactly what you're taking in at all times, uh, exactly what's going out the door. And the one has to 
largely outbalance the other, which comes into the ideas of, of maximizing your income and budgeting. To, to maximize your income, every time I hear somebody talk about making more money by penny pinching, I always get a little ill. You know, you'll hear all these guys be like, you know, if you spend $2 a day on a Starbucks coffee, that's $60 a month, which compounds to $600 fucking dollars a year, which is nothing. Um, I've never been hugely fond of saving more money by cheating yourself out of minor pleasures. <laughs> Certainly there can be a value to, to discipline and self-control and not spending money that you would normally spend, but 600 bucks a year is not a great deal of money. It's not going to change your life. You know, a huge combination of those things will, but I'm more into the idea of maximizing what you earn to save more easier. Uh, there, there's a great story that my friend Angel told me that uh, I think is attributed to the Beatles. Uh, I don't know if it's a true story, but it doesn't matter. They said that one of the guys from the Beatles, I think John Lennon and George Harrison or something like that, were sitting around and, uh, you know, Harrison said, I want a swimming pool. And John said, well, let's write you a swimming pool. You know, and they they sat down and they wrote a song. And thinking of your thinking of your skills, your talents, your marketable stuff this way to maximize your income by writing yourself a swimming pool is a great way to look at your money in general, which is how can I leverage skills, talents, hustles, things that I have going on for me in order to offset these costs and stuff like that is a way that I've really been able to maximize my income. In other words, if I need a suit or something like that, I will do something to make money on specifically to allocate to that purpose, goal, function, whatever. And so looking at your your set of skills, whatever it is that you do for work, whatever it is that you may be able to do on the side, you know, maybe you work in construction, but on the side, you do a little bit of graphic design, you know, how can I hustle hard enough to sell three or four, you know, side gigs and and make an extra $400 that month that goes a lot further than, you know, don't buy that coffee, young man. And so it's easier to save more when you make more. And, and that kind of brings us into the idea of budgeting, which is that Budgeting is macro planning. It's just like when you do your food throughout the day, you say, okay, well, I need to get in this much protein, this much fat, this much carb, you know, for a total of this much calorie. Your goals are going to change. Your income is going to be, you know, it's going to fluctuate a little bit or a lot, depending on what you do for a living. Um, Some people work steady fixed salary stuff. Other people work things where a lot of money can come in one week and not a lot comes in the next week. So it's really important that we keep our eye on our budget all the time. You know, one way to do this that I used a lot to to pretty good success in my first year or two was the envelope uh, strategy where, you know, you just write this bill or that bill on your envelopes, you hang them on the wall in order of importance, you know, so rent is maybe here at the top, groceries and stuff like that. And then down here at the bottom is you know, leisure, going out, that kind of stuff. And you take, if you if you don't have enough money in your upper envelopes or whatever, you take money from your lower envelopes and you fill them up in that sort of cascading order. And that way, what's there is what's there. Uh, what you budgeted for is there. If it's not there, you don't have it, you don't hit it. Um, the other thing is is reducing bleeding. My brother, Seth, was really big into this. And, and when I first started making some cash, you know, he would talk about the idea of, you know, a year into this that you're going to be bleeding money out that you're not even aware you're bleeding out. And so, you know, apps like Truebill and stuff like that can really help you 
see exactly where all your money's going. Because sometimes in this day and age, your money may be going out to places that you go, holy shit, I, I didn't even know that I had 30 bucks coming out for this still. Uh, maybe you forgot to cancel this or that. Um, maybe you could you know, bargain harder with your insurance company or, or any number of things to just reduce the amount of money going out on stuff, things that you may have forgotten or things that you have to spend your money on, but that maybe you could slice down. Um, so, you know, and, and ask yourself, what, what, what do I need? Do I need Amazon Prime and Netflix? Do I need to have, you know, fucking HBO Max or whatever the hell? There's a lot of stuff that you can look at that's not like pinching pennies on daily coffee. There's just some stuff that you might look at and say, do I really use this enough to justify it? Or if I'm trying to get out ahead here and attain more leverage, is this something I need to be spending my time and money on anyways? Uh, I also tend to kind of think of things in a, in the same way that I do with dieting in a massing and cutting phase. You know, sometimes you'll be, you'll be taking in a lot of money. Sometimes you'll be, things are easy and you're bringing in extra cash. Um, you know, sometimes things just flow for you and, and you're selling stuff or, or you're doing well with your main business or your side business or whatever. And other times you're just not, um, it happens, you know, things, things ebb and flow. Uh, you may get deplatformed from all your social media <laughs> and, and have your your income hacked, but it doesn't matter because if you if you start to look at things through a principled mindset, you can say, okay, well, right now I'm on a cutting phase, you know, and you just apply that sort of logic to your finances and you say, okay, you know, this month I'm not going to spend money on this, 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 or this. Uh, I'm not going to, you know, pick up those bar tabs. I'm not going to go out. I'm not going to do this or that. And you just put yourself into that ascetic uh, mindset and say, this is no problem. It's not a problem for me to live tight for a couple months. And it's good discipline to do, even if the money is flowing in, because you'll surprise yourself oftentimes at how much you can save with just saying, no, I'm going to go totally Spartan over the next couple months and, and go into this cutting phase. Um, and that kind of stuff can make you enjoy the, uh, the bounteous times more anyway. Setting financial goals is also a big one. I remember how hard it was for me to do this, you know, at, at first, because like I said in the email, you know, my money was kind of like rising and falling. I think I said like a narcoleptic drunk, you know, it would be up and up and staggering in one direction and then it'd be down again. And um, my buddy Angel, again, he, he helped me out a lot at the beginning and, and I tip my hat to him for that. He said, you have to set goals for your money. And, and I started to think about it like I think about everything, which is through the, the lens of weightlifting and martial arts. But I wanted to start thinking in, in terms of what is my one rep max? You know, whatever I have liquid in savings or, ass, or, or even tied up in assets, that's my current one rep max. And I want to increase that. And the way that I'm going to increase that is consistent focus and dedication, you know, over a period of time. But I have to set my goals. I can't just go from zero to 50K. I have to say, okay, my goal is to have 10K in my savings account by such and such a date. And what are the actions that a person who has 10K in savings will take to get there? And then I follow those. And from 10, I, I then set it at 15 or 20. And pretty soon you'll wind up looking at your bank account and say, I've got 50K in the bank right now um, because I took the steps needed to get there. One of the best steps that you can take to get there is to set a percentage out of every 
piece of cash that comes in everything. It doesn't matter if you're you're pulling a tiny bit of money from here and there or if you're getting a main salary. You set a percentage, 10%, whatever, 15%, 20%, and that immediately goes into savings and it goes toward that one rep max. It can go to savings, it can go into your brokerage account. Wherever it goes, it goes somewhere that it's not available to spend. That money is money that you put off limits. And what starts to happen when you do this and when you start attaining these new one rep maxes is that a lot like setting your new like body mass point, you know, they talk about the idea that if I if I'm at 160 pounds, my body wants to be at 160 pounds. It wants to keep me there if I've been there for a long time. Ditto if you're fat, your body wants to keep you fat if you've gotten fat and stayed fat for a long period of time. You have to fight against that. And then when you kind of set that new body composition point for a period of time, your body wants to stay there. It's the same for your bank account. If I have a goal of keeping my account over 30K, I'm going to have a really hawk-like focus on that so that it doesn't drop below 30 because 30 is my new zero. You see what I'm getting at? It's kind of like if I say no matter what my account stays at 30k, then if it's at 38k, it's really at eight and I don't want it to drop below. And so I start making decisions and and budgeting and things like that to keep it up there. And I start to set that new, you know, body composition point and it really does happen that way. You know, and then you plan for for big stuff. You know, at the beginning of this, I, I talked about why I wanted to make money in the first place. And this is one of the things that you have to keep in mind all the time, just like with training. Why am I making money in the first place? You cannot forget this because it, that's your 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 reason for doing any of this at all. You know, I wanted to do things. Like I said, I wanted to build a house. I wanted to travel. I wanted to do this. You know, now here I am a few years later, you know, five years later, and I've traveled all over Europe. Um, I've built a house that's about to be finished. Um, you know, I own a couple of nice cars. I own a couple of nice motorcycles. I've invested in experiences. I've, I've traveled all over the place on my motorcycle. I've been able to increase the quality of life, not just for myself, which was never my goal, but for my old lady for the people close to me, the people around me who I can invest in. I can invest in friends, businesses, and, you know, I have a, a definite slant toward not buying things. Uh, if you don't count motorcycles, I view motorcycles as mobile experience generators. Um, but I spend my money on on skills, on memories, on on all that stuff. More leverage is another good thing to spend your money on, you know, investing money in a house, investing money in uh, you know, business and, and putting money back into the things that have made you money and also doing the same thing for friends. It allows you to know that your money is like little soldiers out there going to battle for you and fighting on all these different fronts. That's how I've always tried to envision it. And it keeps our reasons clean. It allows us to not fall into the golden handcuffs, which is just making money for the sake of making more money, which I've always found to be a pretty gross endeavor. I think that there is a dirtiness to that of making more money at all costs. I, I believe that starting out with a mission and an ideology of why you want to make money is going to keep you focused on true goals, on, on a real mission, and ideally on something that is higher minded than just well, I want to have money because I want to have shit. Um, we should all be looking to 
have a focus on a holy mission to find out what our holy mission is in the first place and then to use our our wealth as leverage as a war chest to fuel that crusade i talk about that a lot in my uh in my book no surrender this idea of a holy mission and you know i hope that that these few pointers can kind of keep you in the right direction if you are someone who is looking to gain more temporal leverage in the world and i hope that you are because at a certain point we have to remember that poverty does not have nobility poverty means that you are always looking to someone else if you ever need to have leverage in the world and that it is not noble to constantly be looking for a handout. In the Havamal, uh, the piece of old Norse poetry, it says, one's own house is best, though it be a thatched roof and a few goats. It's better than always looking for a favor. And I think that this is one of the things that sets the mindset apart from a noble desire to have wealth is the desire to be able to engage in largesse, to be able to say, I can look at my wealth and disperse it how I will. I can be a despiser of arm rings and I can increase the overall enjoyment and value of my life and the life of those around me, because that's what it means to be a chieftain. That's what it means to be a leader. And I think that's what it means to be an aristocrat of the soul first. Um, but then in order to be aristocratic, to be noble, to be high-minded, and to be able to provide for the people around us who look to us for that sort of thing and to say, if you're with me, don't worry about it. I got this. Guys, I hope this helped you out. I hope you enjoyed it. I look forward to your feedback, and I'm going to be putting out more things like this on the physical, the mental, the spiritual, as well as the temporal. Thanks.